You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Welcome to Earth Station One, a weekly podcast dedicated to all things sci-fi, fantasy, and much, much more. Sit back and relax and enjoy the show. Hey there, listeners, and welcome to another episode of the Earth Station One podcast. That's right, folks. We are back, and we are looking at some old friends returning to the station. That's right. We're looking at our friends Lister, Rimmer, Cat, and, of course, Crichton. And even Holly is back when we look at Red Dwarf, the promised land. It should be a lot of fun to talk about the newest outing of the crew of the fine ship Red Dwarf. And we've got a great bunch of folks here with us tonight to talk about it. But, man... This man is not a hologram who I am talking about, even though he would be pretty cool as, you know, a Nova Light hologram with superpowers. It's Mr. Mike Gordon. Howdy. How are you, my friend? I am peachy keen and ready to smeg on. Of course you are. It's going to be a lot of fun. You know, we've, we love it when they come out with New Red Dwarf and it's like always like, seeing family which you haven't seen in a long by hey look at uh, you know when uh, when it comes to 2020 i'll take whatever positive stuff comes out that's true and hopefully everyone has positive experience with it so we will see but we definitely would love to hear from you guys and we got a brand new email address to tell you guys about it's feedback at earthstation1.com that's right, folks. No more ESO Network stuff. We're still affiliated with them, but we are Earth Station One. So I thought it'd be about time we got some Earth Station One emails. So we have feedback at earthstation1.com. We definitely would love to hear from you guys. Please write us. Let us know what you guys think about the show. What If you guys saw Red Dwarf, what did you guys think? Did you like it? Did you not? It'd be really awesome if you got a chance to talk about it with us. Of course, the show is brought to you by the fine folks at Tifosi Optics. That's right. Tifosi Optics is back. And you know what, folks? You might be, everyone's working from home these days. And you know what they have? They have the blue lights glasses now. So you could put those on while you're working on your computer, playing video games. And hopefully you're not playing video games while you're supposed to be working at home. You know, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. But it's, you know, a lot of fun. They uh, Tifosi has blue light optic glasses and they help a ton because your eyes are being so bombarded with the radiation and the light and everything. Your, your eyes are worn out by the end of the workday. So your friends at Tifosi, they just don't do awesome sunglasses. They also do these wonderful blue light, you know, safety glasses and everything for your eyes. And you can get them exclusively at Tifosi Optics. And as a reminder for the month of September, if you're buying a pair of glasses, sunglasses or the, of the blue, blue light glasses, all you have to do is, you know, order from them and they will be donating to first responders and teachers and, you know, people working at libraries, face shields for each order. I think that's pretty awesome. That's really caring. It's really giving. And that's the kind of folks the folks at Tifosi is. And on top of that, if you put ESO Network into the coupon code, you get 10% off your order. I think that's pretty awesome. All you have to do is go to Tifosi Optics. Definitely check them out and tell them ESO and Earth Station One sent you. Now, of course, we got to do a big shout out to our patrons. Newest episode of ESO Board Silly is out now and it's exclusive only to our patrons. So, you know, you can listen to myself, Mike Gordon, 
Mary Ogle, Scott Figuet, and Kevin Eldridge, Be Silly. And this time we're talking about our experiences with Dragon Con. But you can only hear it if you're a member of the ESO Patreon. And for as little as 25 cents a week, you could become a patron of the ESO Network. So all you have to do is go to patreon.com slash ESO Network. Get some really cool exclusive material. And we want to do a big shout out to Mark Heffernan, one of our patrons out there. Thank you, Mark, for help supporting the ESO Network. We do appreciate it. And now let's get started with this week's show. Got some great stuff to talk about. We have a fr- another friend of the show returning f- after quite some time. Let's welcome Jason Flowers. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Welcome. Welcome back to the station. It's been I quite know, some time. Been, <laughs> yes, it's been a long time. A long time. How How are things going? Good, good. I can't complain. How are you guys? Wow. Okay, that's uh, that's a good thing for 2020. (laughs) Exactly. You know, it's the it's the weirdest uh, best year of my career. (laughs) (laughs) What does that say? (laughs) I I don't know what to say with that one. So I know. Yeah. Well, I know that. Yeah, it's interesting. uh, You know, different artists and different creative folks are having different challenges this year. Yeah, yeah. Um, with the convention season being all like for for now, <laughs> right? Until until question mark. Um, yeah, it's been very interesting. So been having to kind of like reroute a couple of things and figure out some new stuff to do. Maybe we can um, keep surviving. <laughs> Absolutely, I know that uh, one of the things you know, um, one of the bright spots or one of the things I've tried to do. Uh, this year because I'm, you know, home more is to work on projects, which actually it's given me a lot of time to do that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's one of those things where like, it's funny because this year I told myself like um, last year, Caliber put out my Caliber comics, put out my, uh, my graphic novel AI Wars. Mm -hmm. And I spent the majority of that year kind of, you know, like publicizing it and kind of like uh, getting trying to get it in people's hands and promoting it. But uh, I, I missed making comics. I wasn't making anything new comic wise. And I told myself 2020 is what I'm going to do is I'm going to try to do less shows this year and focus on making projects. And boy, if I did not get that wish, I was going to so, say, so it's your fault. Yeah. yeah right. <laughs> I, I did not know my dreams could be that big of a, of an issue. <laughs> Well, um, yeah, and I definitely, you know, want to help, uh, we want to help promote the the new project that you're working on, because you've got something that, uh, uh, as a lot of artists are going to, especially this year, um, which is uh, Kickstarter crowdfunding. Yeah, yeah, it's it's really cool seeing, it's like, it's like one of those good, bad things, where it's like, it's really awesome to see everyone finally, like, jump on board, but it's like, one of those things where now, like, I feel like my ship's overcrowded, and it's starting to kind of sink a little bit so it's like i gotta keep myself afloat so uh i i need my space on on my project but uh it's 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 working out pretty well um it's 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 it is cool though it's cool to see that people are like well i've got nothing better to do than make like real content and um like I, 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 for one was one of these people at the shows that, you know, I, I sell fan art and stuff like that. But, um, probably around 2016 is when I was like, you know, I want to make comics again. Like I miss making comics and seeing comics in artist alley 
and it kind of really pushed out a lot of like those those types of people unfortunately but i think uh i think this coming year if we get shows this coming year um it'll definitely kind of rejuvenize all that hopefully yeah absolutely and the new project that you're working on right now looks really really fun dude um thank uh, you tell us about bounty bullfrog so bounty bullfrog is this crazy idea i had when i was um six like 15 um around that around 14 15 i got really big into um the indie comic scene because of the atlanta comic convention you know shout out to the ato um <laughs> you know we'd have we'd have this local comic show that i i started going to when i was around 14 and it was um, it was amazing to me they had all these people there they uh they had um i can't what happened can you guys hear me yeah yeah keep going okay okay all right um we were just like we were riveted we wanted to hear more no sorry uh they you know they i would i remember just being this little kid going and just being all in like awe because it was everything i looked for in comics and then here are these artists that were there like uh philippe xavier who was working on caliber comics um bud root even made an appearance i remember the creators of scud were there one year one one time um just just like an over flow of like Don Hillsman. Um, he was there for Scion when CrossGen had just come out. So it was really cool seeing like these, these artists up close and personal. So um, indie comics just really, I just really gravitated to them and I got really heavy into Ninja Turtles again. And um, that was just like my outlet. And I'm, I'm, I loved it because it wasn't the cartoons anymore. It was these, these indie comics that blew up so, cause like when that came out, I think I was two years old when the original comic came out. And uh, so to find those and, and get into them, I created this character called Bounty Bullfrog. And he's kind of like, I was really big into like Simon Bisley's Lobo mm-hmm. around that time frame. So uh, Simon Bisley's art and um, video games like Battletoads and um, Ninja Turtles. So I just kind of all put it together in this comic. And over the years, I've been, I'm 38 now. So over the years, I've been off and on trying to like revamp this character and bring him back. And this year was kind of that, like, do it, (laughs) just do it kind of year. And I was like, you know, I'm just going to pull the trigger. I'm just going to start doing it. And I'm just going to start making comics. And um, here he is. So uh, I started the Kickstarter. Um, It was supposed to start this past Tuesday, but um, I, I, uh, Kickstarter's had so such an overflow of new projects that they got they got slammed. So usually, I would I this is my seventh venture into Kickstarting, and I've been funded for six of the seven. So, um, knock on wood, it stays that way. Uh, so, <laughs> usually, getting a, a project approved only took like a day, if that, and it took almost a week to get it approved. Wow. So. It ended up launching Wednesday around 5 p.m. So it hasn't been up for even a full week yet. And we are um, probably like less than $400 away from gold. Yeah, I was going to say, you're you're close. You're close. Yeah. Um, today, today really blew it up. Um, it just knocked, 
knocked it up an extra grand from I added some new reward tiers that kind of like launched it high. So I'm pretty excited. And and you got quite a few days to go, but um, I will point out to listeners because um, yeah, just because it, like if people go to your site. Uh, go to the Kickstarter and see that you met your goal. That doesn't mean that the campaign's over. It means that you yes. can still you can still exactly. order the book. You can still support because this is like the 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 amount that they're asking for is like the minimum. So right. right, right. So any anything else you can get from this is a bonus. And, yes, and thank you uh, for saying that. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm you know you're probably going to do like stretch goals and stuff like that, right? Oh so, yeah, yeah. So, I've got some cool stretch goals coming. Yeah. Well, I see already. I mean, you're you're offering a, a lot of different packages, and the what's really important is that the entry, you know, the entry um, package is is really affordable. So, and you yeah. get like the book. So that's, that's really, I think really cool. Like, cause some of them start, you know, and you don't get the book until like the, the, like the fourth or fifth uh, reward tier. And uh, yeah, and- I mean, I've seen a couple like that where it's like, <laughs> yeah. you have to wait until it's like almost $50 before you, you can get the book. And I'm like, ah, oh, you know, I want to be helpful, but I, I don't want to not support this, but yeah, I try to make it reasonably priced. Yeah, um, yeah. I think I'm being fair, and it's it's great to see the response. I'm really, really happy with it. And this and, is, uh, and this is. I mean, I could tell. I mean, it's all you, but man, uh, like, um, you know, you are, uh, you are writing. You're doing the penciling, inking. I imagine, um, but the colors are. You got someone doing the colors, right? Yes. Uh, his name is. Um, uh, he's gonna hate me. I'm, I'm, I, I do apologize, my friend. He's from Brazil. Um, um, his name is Jeremy. I want to say Jeremy Lindenberg Mendez. Yeah, I, so, I'm glad I, I, I see. I was going to let you tackle that. People drink person. enough on our show for me, you know, <laughs> mispronouncing names. So it's okay. But I've let got, you do uh, it. Yeah, he's he's an amazing colorist. Uh, I, I stumbled upon him from another colorist I was looking at who was like, um, you know, I'm busy, but I've got a buddy. And I was like, oh, my God. So he, he did a test page. He did the test page for for me. And um, like you said, uh, that money is like the bare minimum because yeah. I did the math and I'm like, OK, well, printing's going to be this. Yep. Um, to pay the colorist is going to cost this. And, you know, these, these shipping is going to cost this. And I'm like. I don't, I'm not going to make anything <laughs> like how am I going to survive to make the rest of this book? But um, so, yeah, it's very important to just keep chugging along. And I've got some new ideas where I'll be doing some um, auctions for some original sketches. Nice. Try to uh, auction those off and help boost the campaign. So now um, regarding the story itself, uh, this is the first issue, issue one. Now, is this a self-contained story? Is it going to be, you know, is it a mini series or how do you, how do you foresee Bounty Bullfrog, uh, the adventures continuing? So it's going to be, it's four issues. Okay. Um, it's, uh, this is the first issue. Like you said, uh, it's the first 28 pages. Um, this is kind of like that introduction issue where we, we meet our, our, our our main guy and we get like a little insight of his history and what's going to happen to him to like push the book forward but uh it, he's pretty much a you know his name is bounty bullfrog he's a bounty hunter who um happens to be uh sub, like contracted to get this stone back from these mole ninjas 
who are uh, trying to use the, the stone's powers to blink at the sun so that they may be able to rule over the top world. And uh, he meets all sorts of interesting characters along the way. Uh, a couple of characters are kind of being thrown into this universe from previous stories I had called um, Emery Falls. So uh, I've got my Emery Falls character will be joining the cast and a couple other people. So oh, very exciting. Very exciting. Pretty exciting. You're going to have a, a flowers verse. Oh, yes. <laughs> uh, well, it, it'll eventually end up um, you meet the first three characters and then and then Emery comes and she will be the part four of the team. So it will turn into a team of characters. I've already planned this to be uh, my Ninja Turtles. Like I said, it's it's heavily in Ninja Turtles influenced, um, and uh, I've already got ideas for toys and cartoons and video <laughs> games. Like I'm ready. Hey, yeah, yeah. Think big, man. <laughs> Think big. Well, it sounds like you're off to a great start. Um, anything else you want people to know about the project? Or we will definitely have a link to the Kickstarter itself in the show awesome, notes. Awesome. Um, yeah. But is there anything else that you want people to know about the project or, or what, anything uh, else that you're doing right now? Um, well, yeah, the project ends October 15th. So a uh, big thing for people, if you're not familiar with Kickstarter, the cool thing about it is you are not charged immediately. Like you can pledge and you can adjust your pledge or you can up it or down it depending on um, what, you know, what's inside your budget frame. Um, and you won't be charged until the campaign actually is funded at the end by October 15th. So you have until the 15th to uh, help support if you can, or even just share and tell people about it. Um, and uh, on a different note, I just got done doing a uh, store exclusive cover for Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, The Last Ronin. Very nice. Oh, awesome. So I'm super stoked about that. That is from Epicos Comics and um, I believe they are doing pre-sales right now on eBay and I'll probably be doing pre-sales on Thursday. So you'll be able to get it from either their eBay store or personally from me on my online store. Excellent. Excellent. Well, we, we wish you all the success in the world on this project. Um, it looks like a lot Thank of you. fun, Jason. And I, I it, 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 like I said, it, it, it's all you, man. I could, I could tell by looking at this. It's just, it's, it looks like something you were, you were, you worked all this time to do, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I even showed a little bit in the actual um, Kickstarter, uh, I guess, what is the story section? You can see a, like a little image of the original cover too. Yes. I see that. On the book, so. Yeah, it was it was like I made two two comics as a kid and you know they're about like 15 16 pages long and that's it. So well, it like I said, it looks very cool. Um and we wish you success. Like I said, people can check it out uh just go to Kickstarter, look up um uh Anna. Bounty Bullfrog. Bounty, right, Bounty Bullfrog and uh it's cool. and like, a household name in a year. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. And we'll like I said, we'll have a I'm looking forward to the cartoons and everything. It's gonna be great. Oh, me too. I've I've actually had a I actually had a friend who uh who liked just a couple of the pictures so much that he made custom figures for me. Ah, and very sent cool. them to me, and it just it blew my mind. And oh, uh, Funko's gonna be pictures. contacting you, dude. Don't oh, worry. Uh, it, yeah, they're on the list. They're on the of list. course. 
You know you've made it when you've got a Funko now. So. Oh, of course. <laughs> true. Well, it's, it's like it's like how Nirvana said they knew they made it when Weird Al parodied them. <laughs> right? It's the equivalent. So right? it's pretty awesome. Well, very All cool. Right. Thanks so much for, for joining us. And uh, yeah, guys, I yeah, appreciate having me. Absolutely, sir. And uh, yeah, good luck and take care. All right. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Jason. Let's take a quick break and we'll be back in a moment with Red Dwarf, The Promised Land. Hi, this is Ashley Pauls with this week's Box Office Buzz. It continues to be a strange time in entertainment, but that's just 2020 for you. It's really interesting to look back and consider some of the big releases in recent weeks and the comparisons between the formats with which they were released. Of course, I'm talking about Tenet, which was released traditionally in theaters, and then Disney Mulan, which was released on Disney Plus for an extra fee. It's always harder to kind of break down the numbers with companies not necessarily wanting to share how well things are done. I've heard reports that Mulan was a big success for Disney Plus, which is interesting to me because I know that personally the $30 price tag was really just too much to justify for like one person watching in my basement. I'd much rather wait until December or whenever they're going to release it to watch it for free. But maybe families decided that the $30 price tag wasn't too bad and decided to go ahead and pay for it. I believe that Disney saw a little boost in subscribers from Mulan and also from Hamilton. So if they can keep stringing out new content they might continue to do well, especially since we recently got that new Mandalorian Season 2 trailer. That show was a huge hit for Disney. Thanks, Baby Yoda. And I see no reason why Season 2 won't continue that string of successes for them. They also recently dropped the trailer for WandaVision, one of those Marvel Cinematic Universe shows. I know that some of the filming on those shows was delayed a little bit due to the pandemic. So not sure in what schedule we're necessarily going to be getting those other MCU shows, but that'll be another big draw. In terms of Tenet not doing the box office numbers that it was supposed to, but again, you can really blame that on the on the pandemic. People not being ready to go to theaters and theaters remaining closed in some parts of the country. So just a strange world out there, but... Companies are going to continue discussing and looking for new ways to do things. So I don't think by any means we have seen the end of some of the shifts and experiments that are happening. So hang tight and I think there's definitely more to come. And if you're looking for more entertainment related content, be sure to check out my blog over on the ESO podcast website. Hi, I'm Joe Heath. And I'm Tony Heath. And we've been watching Doctor Who for five years. So that makes us experts. Probably. I once heard a guy say that he listened to a four-hour podcast by an expert, which made him an expert. So we're experts. Definitely experts. And you can be an expert, too. All you have to do is listen to... The Watchathon of Rassilon. It's a podcast. That we make. Together. Sometimes with friends. Listen to it. Or else. The Watchathon of Rassilon. A proud member of the ESO Network.
Hey everyone, welcome back. Now it is time to talk about Red Dwarf, The Promised Land. And it's going to be an interesting, an interesting family reunion in some cases, you might want to say. Take it away, Mikey. We've got part of a family reunion happening right here. Reunion of sorts uh, with some smegheads. Uh, starting with from uh, the 42 cast right here on the ESO Network. Nathan Laws, welcome back to the station, sir. Hey, dudes. Hey. <laughs> Shouldn't you and, have a black background behind you? Yeah, I wish, like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then have like a black robe to wear around, like my next you just see the head. Yeah, I should have I should have thought of that. <laughs> uh and then we also have someone who's no stranger to um podcast on the Air Station One Network. Uh Anthony Williams is back with us. Good evening. And uh personally I prefer the term Smee. <laughs> <laughs> lying okay. mode okay. that was great man that was great lying mode off <laughs> <laughs> so uh this is the what they're calling the 13th season the 13th series the 13th installment um 13 being the lucky number of that it is of red dwarf um going into this uh what were your thoughts we'll start with you nathan um I liked it. I, I mean, first of all, I'm just happy that we're getting anything. This is like five seasons past what I thought I was going to get anyway. And so like every time they announce, oh, we're actually doing more Red Dwarf stuff. I'm like, oh, great. You know, like it's a pleasant surprise. Um, but uh, but yeah, I mean, obviously I, I or how, how should I say this? I would have liked more uh, as far as like, you know, because obviously this is only you know, a movie, so it's maybe the length of, like, three episodes, maybe four episodes I would have liked the season, but, and I'm not sure that they got the whole movie format down as far as, like, the pacing and everything, but it was still a lot of fun. There were a lot of great jokes in it, and I was, my wife and I were both laughing while we were watching it, so, and I'm still always happy to see the characters. Absolutely. Anthony, what about you? So, I was definitely approaching this with a degree of trepidation, (laughs) uh the last time they did a longer form storyline was back to earth which i think was quite disappointing as red dwarf goes so them doing something similar again admittedly in in one continuous piece rather than broken up into three episodes in one continuous storyline i i was worried and i was very pleasantly surprised this i thought it was a lot better than i was expecting it to be and, and to some extent it was probably better than it had any right to be so <laughs> well we will get into more details on that for sure uh mike what about you now to correct me if i'm wrong but uh the last season uh the last series that we reviewed um i think it was sort of mixed right no last season the last season was very positive actually was it very if positive? i remember the okay. season before that, season 11 was like, we all gave it pretty much thumbs down because we felt like they, because they filmed 11 and 12 at the same time. And mm. what they ended up doing, that's right. Was it felt like they, they saved the best stories for season 12. Cause especially that final story that they did with Rimmer going through the alter, all the alternate dimensions mm-hmm. and the alternate, alternate realities it was, you know, it felt like that was the final episode, especially with them bringing Holly back for it. It felt like, you know, they were going out with a bang. That was going to be it. And then we heard they're going to be doing a season 13. And then, okay, first they were they were talking about doing a live production 
at you know in front of a stadium they were talking about with season, with the with the special and then they were going to do season 13 and then all of a sudden it turned into the promised land which you know explores cats people which you know goes back all the way to season 1 of red dwarf and right. it touches a lot on that and it was a lot of fun and it was like I keep I said at the beginning of this episode it was neat to hear and see friends that you come back to all the time and to see, and they, they evolved in this. They really evolved with us. You know, Lister had, you know, was going through issues in this and he had to be face to face that, you know, he's the Holy one again, you know, he, he thought he was done with that and everything. So it was cool to do. And you got to meet Kat's brother. You got to see, you know, Kat's people and, you know, they are just like cat and it's just, it's just awesome. And, you know, just, you always remember whenever you have troubles with cats, laser pointer, yeah. Yeah. which is really awesome. And, you know, Rimmer was great and it was awesome to have Holly back and everything, you know, so it was cool. And Crichton made the ultimate sacrifice, which is even better. So it was cool. I, uh, I always, you know, am, am, uh, excited when I hear that there's going to be more. Um, if for no other reason, like we talked about before, I think even when we reviewed that season where we, you know, weren't positive, I think the one thing that we did take out of it was that we still like the watching these four interact. Um, uh, no matter how, you know, what the story's like, um, these four always kind of bring it and, and, and just seem like they have that comfort, comfortable trust with one another um, so that um, it just makes it really fun to, to get together. It's, it, it really is feel like uh, feels like a reunion. Um, um, and I think uh, I'm going to side with uh, Anthony on this one. I, I really appreciate the, the story um, and the way it was laid out. It did feel like they had put, like they had an idea for maybe a three episode season and they kind of crammed it into like one story um because you could sort of feel where each episode would have broken up um but i i appreciated that um it it didn't diminish it at all um and there are some really really uh great scenes in this there are some scenes in this that are probably right up there with some of the best scenes that they've ever done for red dwarf which you right now i just figure we're getting bonus material when you know to produce something new that actually holds up with with the history of the show, I think is is really really special. Um, so, um, getting into the characters and what uh, things that you liked about this, uh, the Promised Land. Uh, Nathan, we'll start with you. What uh, what are some of the aspects that you really really appreciated? Holly, <laughs> <laughs> right in the beginning, right, That's right, right, yeah. right there in the beginning, right when they bring out that big disc. <laughs> You know, I, I, uh, I, I watched Red Dwarf from the beginning. And so to me, like the lack of Holly has always been a problem for the, the seasons that didn't have Holly. And so I was very glad to, to have Holly in this, um, you know, it was sort of a, a, a reset version of Holly. So, you know, not quite the character that we remembered, but the performance was there. And it was just so much fun to have him, you know, on there. And like, like the joke where they do like the 2001 thing where it's like, oh, we'll go into the room where like he can't hear us. 
and we'll have the conversation. Oh, so, we'll we'll oh, cover God. our lips, you know, because that was the mistake from 2001 is that Hal read their lips. They're like, we'll cover our lips. But then it's like, <laughs> it was like broadcasting out into the hallway. <laughs> so Holly heard everything that they said. That was one of the best jokes. But, um, but yeah, like Holly, Holly was, the, and, and the, and the, um, the other thing that I really, really appreciated that was one of the top aspects of the movie for me was um, the cats and like things like the cat door to enter the room and like he's just and then the the guy the leader the warlord is just like knocking things off his table and you know stuff like that all the all the cat behavior you know we already mentioned all the, the cat jokes pointer. all the cat jokes were fantastic and i love that and that's that's one of the things that i liked from the beginning with the cat but now we just have more cats and we're doing more of that so i like that uh anthony what about you what uh what are some of the things uh, that you uh, appreciated in this so I really, really enjoyed that they took it back almost full circle with the cat storyline. Mm-hmm. You know, yes. we, we found out about the evolution of the cats in the very first episode. They did a little bit about the whole mythology of, around them in the early seasons, and then it was just kind of dropped. And now, you know, 30 plus some change years later <laughs> they've come back to that and fleshed out what kind of happened to the rest of the cats i really appreciated that kind of addition to the mythology i thought that was a really really nice touch and i mean nathan already said it but also holly right mm-hmm. yeah i mean yeah. i remember when uh, back to earth was announced i was in my final year of of my undergraduates and you know i heard norman lovett was going to be back then i heard he wasn't and that was absolutely crushing so as nathan said it doesn't quite feel like proper red dwarf unless holly is involved somehow and and the fact that holly was was there at the beginning and then at the very end really really made this for me yeah, the, in particular, the, for me, the, the standout Holly scene is when he, quote unquote, saves them or rescues them from the, from the, the, the moon or the planet that they're on. Um, uh, and, and how he's just surprised that they, they survived. <laughs> like, I just, like, I, uh, I mean, it was just perfect the way that, that played out. Um, and that's something you could only do with Holly. That's why, I mean, mm-hmm. that's, that's perfect reason to have Holly there. And I, I loved when they were, loading up his backup and he's like what's what's happening what's happening dudes yeah i love that that was just awesome yeah I love that like... his disc was a giant floppy disc you know but going back to the fact that this show's been around since the 80s you know and that would have been what they would have had you know? i always i always wondered what that slot was for sir <laughs> Yeah, it looked, uh, I mean, it was functional. It looked like a functional, huge disc drive. I thought uh, I was impressed with the prop crew on that one. Um, uh, They, and now let me ask you, because I think we might have talked about this before, but when they make this, because they're, they're, are they actually, they're not, are they shooting in front of a studio audience or how how is that working now? Let's say work. Okay, because that's why you, cause that's I, why you heard all the applause when Holly showed up, and when the old Holly came back, you heard people cheering in the audience and stuff. Because in the making of uh, on the panel that I saw that they did in San Diego, they mentioned how they've had to film things multiple times, like because there's one scene, and I think you can even see it in the episode where uh, where Rimmer and Lister are talking, and 
and one of them is about to like is breaking like they're breaking character a little bit um uh the you could just tell just a hint of it and uh um so they said that that was a particularly difficult scene they had to shoot that over and over and over again and uh so i'm like wow that's amazing that they do that with a live studio audience and they still do retakes as many as they do so mm-hmm. um but yes it is nice that you know you kind of one and then you kind of wonder like why do you need a studio audience in this day and age but i think to your point when you hear that pop that holly gets it just makes you feel good like there's that's that's the reason alone to have the studio audience i think Oh, most definitely. And that's, that's, what's great. They get more energy a lot of times by performing in front of a studio audience yeah, and the, they get better performances a lot of times with that. And that was one of the things that they were missing in some of those episodes when they didn't, when it was just on a stage. And yeah. I think that was what season seven, maybe. Yeah. I think just so. On a soundstage completely missing the audience. And yeah, yeah. I yeah, think yeah. that, that really, detracted from everyone's enjoyment of that season yeah i think you can tell that these actors in particular i mean there's some actors that feed off this audience and there's some that you know would rather not have that but but these guys in particular um chris barry and craig charles uh danny and robert like they seem to like feed like they're performers more than they are actors i think Mm -hmm. is that fair yeah very much so yeah um, well, so my, England also doesn't have the distinction that we have between like theater actors and television actors and movie actors. A lot of them perform on stage, you know, in the theater true. also, you know, so, <laughs> um, you know, so they're probably used to it. They're used to having an audience. And so, yeah, they probably do, you know, like having that. Yep, very much so. Uh, so, Mike, what was something that uh, that uh, you found particularly compelling in this one? Oh, the thought about Rimmer having to be living on battery. He used up his battery and had to be, you know, on the electrical cords and the long extension cords that he had to do through the the space station. That was just, that was just classic. I thought that that was classic Red Dwarf right there, you know, and, you know, Rimmer, you know, thinking he made the day, oh, you just used up your whole, you know, battery life, sir. And it's like, but we have all these extension cords so that you can keep going. And it was just, it was just wonderful. And the whole thing, and Holly was just amazing. I loved every second, you know, how he was evil Holly at first, you know, you know, no humor, no nothing. He was fresh out of the box, you could say. And so it, and it was just awesome. And the noises they were making when they were loading him up and everything, the old modem sound and, you know, (laughs) and the, and the windows loading sound, you know, I love that so much. That that was just, it was just classic. And then he says, Oh, when he said, Oh, this just, what's, what's going on? What's going on dudes. And then, and a friend, I was watching with a friend of mine who also likes red dwarf. And he said, wouldn't it have been funny if when they were loading him, it came up and he just blanked out for a second and came up as hilly. For a yes. <laughs> that would have been just awesome. And then he switched back to, you know, and it would have been, it just would have been great for that. Just a little throwback. And a little cameo. Yeah, exactly. And I just, I thought it was, 
it was great to do that. I loved, you know, them learning still about Starbug. Oh, the heated seats and the massages. Oh, that's just wonderful. You know, all, all that. And I thought it was really cool. The effects were decent. They had some amazing, really good, you know, CGI in this. The budget was pretty decent, especially like with Starbug hovering, the, the sandstorms, and, you know, the space station looked great and everything. You know, I'm not going to say anything about the cat-shaped spaceships. The face. <laughs> <laughs> well, the great thing about that was that you it, you didn't know what they were doing until they were all in formation. You knew something was up. Because it looked kind oh, of strange, of and then like suddenly their information with the cat face, and you're like, "Oh my god!" That was just mm-hmm. perfect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, yeah. then the H at the end mm-hmm. <laughs> with their new god, mm-hmm. and that you know his ego is now going to go right through the roof. <laughs> Not that it, you know always isn't anyway. Which is weird because they're still cats. It's not like they oh, had course. a formation that was, uh, you know, based on uh, Lister before that. But, um, but the joke is still there. I get it. Cloister. Um, Remember that. Cloister. Cloister, rather. Yeah, stupid. sorry. Cloister, rather. Who will lead um, them to the land? Oh, well, crap. What was the land called? <laughs> it was supposed to be Fiji, but they changed it to Fushal. Fushal. That's Fushal. it. Yeah. <laughs> um,. And they could have incorporated the the, the end theme song to that. Really, um, uh, the uh, I think um, the, yeah, the cat storyline was great. I love the fact that it harkened back to season one. It felt like organic, like this is something that we wanted to see, uh, the, and the way it played out was perfect. Um, I love the characters of each of the cats because um, they were distinct, but yet they were all still cats, um, and you know. Come, this coming from a person who has many cats himself uh the jokes resonated with me um all of them and uh and i appreciated that i even liked the formation joke uh with the ships i thought that was hilarious um uh but the ones that they were missing one after one was destroyed i'm like now what are they gonna do <laughs> like how does that work um but uh uh the leader you know you sort of have this sort of half cat like sort of play on wolverine ish kind of thing you know like with the with the claws and everything i thought that was pretty cool uh and and yes the special effects the cg were good was good the set designs the props uh the makeup everything was just on point i don't think there was anybody who dropped the ball i I think everybody went into this really loving it's almost like you can watch something like this and realize that everybody is on the same page and loving what they're doing um which is good to see um, but my favorite moment in this is the scene between Rimmer and Lister where Rimmer's, uh, um, uh, sort of self-doubting himself, uh, you know, trying to figure out what his purpose is, that kind of thing. And that, and, you know, coming to the conclusion that nobody likes him. We've seen this before. Um, but I thought many, many times, yeah, right. We've seen this yeah. many times before, but man, this, this one brought it like, like to a new level where um, and and Lister's whole speech about about the moon and the light was just like really inspirational and brilliant. I'm like, you don't expect that sort of thing out of Red Dwarf. And there it was. I was like, wow, that's that might be one of the best scenes in any season of Red Dwarf, as far as I'm concerned. Mm-hmm. Were you guys, were you, was this me or were you guys moved by that as well? No, I was 100% with you on that. 
Yeah. It was actually very deep for Red Dwarf. Yes. <laughs> Surprisingly deep for Red Dwarf. Yeah, exactly. It's like, all yeah. right, who do they have writing this? Is this someone new? <laughs> <laughs> um, so so that's that's there. Um, uh, anything else uh, that uh, that you enjoyed about this? Or should we start, uh, should we nitpick it? <laughs> oh, I got, so I got some. <laughs> I, I got one thing, and it's really, really tiny, but when... Rimmer was being upgraded. Seeing those old costumes. Mm-hmm. Oh, it was wonderful. Oh, that, that was awesome. Pure nostalgia and seeing him in, you know, that season one costume and, and just the progression. I love that. And the one thing that I was expecting that we didn't get was at the end of that, I was expecting him to turn into Ace Rimmer. I was too. I was too. <laughs> and I feel like they called a fast one on us on that. Yeah. Um, for me, uh, it's one of those things where, uh, you know, I mean, Douglas Adams does it too, but Red Dwarf does this of the idea that it's the Chekhov's gun thing where they introduce something that just seems to be kind of like pointless and silly in and of itself. And you don't realize that it's going to come up again later. And that's with the forks that have been designed to be vegan. And so they literally will not let you like stab anything meat. And then they're trying to have the fight and they they grab the forks to use because the, you know, the cats just have those like little claws between their fingers. Oh, and I love that when they, here, here, take some lettuce, and they which was just awesome. It was a joke. I thought the joke just was the existence of the forks being vegan. You know, oh, they're on vegan mode or whatever. But then, like, to actually see the point of it, you know, that was that made me laugh quite a bit. Yeah, having the lettuce on it. Uh, we have two characters that come pretty close to meeting their end uh, in this storyline uh, with uh, Crichton. And uh, Rimmer being uh, really close to being like gone for good is, uh, I mean, obviously that's a, that they've come that close before. I mean, this is a, this is a fictionalized show, science fiction show. So anything's possible, but did, did that feel, did it feel like it was uh, like a, uh, a weighted moment for you guys like earn or was it just like something that, Oh, they'll get out of this. Oh, I thought they'd get out of it. They wouldn't. And because this, you know, they haven't announced if they're going to do any more after this. So this could be it. Like, but we say that after every season now, this is it. This is the (laughs) end. And we don't know. And for them to end this story with, you know, both Rimmer and Crichton passing, that would be really heavy. Well, the thing is, though they've ended two different seasons with them all dying quote unquote before or at least looking like they were going to be dead and so at this point even if they did have characters die and and like a story i still wouldn't buy it and i would still say well they can always do another season and explain how it didn't happen you know i mean so i'm not uh, i'm I, it didn't bother me or, or or feel weighted to me because you know, I, I, I knew even if they didn't get out of it, that there was still potential for them to bring them back in any kind of sequel. Right. No, totally understand that. So it's real interesting that, you know, we had those characters get into that phase and, you know, was this the end? Is this, you know, what could happen and everything? And I like how, you know, they used, they took the dung and he, it was Lister who figured out that it wasn't just dung and everything. And it was 
pretty awesome and that's yeah, that, how he was, was able to revive both the characters yeah that was your Chekhov's rifle right there that was the that was the, that was the 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 thing that uh, i was wondering i kept wondering like okay this is gonna have to the anubis stone is gonna have to come into play somewhere here um and uh yeah that was pretty pretty fun to see that happen um mm-hmm. but yeah i mean this is this is the kind of show that uh, because they've done it they're not afraid to do it um uh they've done it before and i i wouldn't been have been surprised if you know if this is going to be their last go that they all end up quote unquote dying like you know quote unquote dying in some form it just seems like that's red dwarf really right um to me but um but i i yeah i didn't really think at the moment that uh they were all i just the Crichton one really kind of just threw me though because it just seemed to come out of nowhere Whereas the Rimmer one, they were sort of building on, um, but uh, uh, they kept on saying, "Oh, I've been throughout the show. I'm very overdue for service, do, sir." You know, he's been saying it. that for so long that I just kind of took it like <laughs> I just kind of. I guess even I'm like the other characters. I just kind of ignore it after a while because he says it so often. <laughs> I mean, I I always feel like they're always saying this could be the last thing we do, but they also always want to leave that door open because it could be the last thing they do, but it's not necessarily going to be the last thing they do. So to kill off one, possibly two main characters, I just don't think they're ever going to do that, even if they tease us with it. Yeah. Oh, I think that, and that said, if they were going to, you know, end the show, then I think they would kill all of them. Because I don't think you just kill two of them, right? I think I think you would have to either kill all of them or um, because certainly if it comes back in any form, I don't see it coming back without at least these four actors. Uh, no. Yeah, they tried got... that once with one of the actors gone, and and it didn't work out too well. So. <laughs> no, we don't mention Kruchansky on the show, That's so right. it's okay. <laughs> I. Uh, yeah, I just get a like for me now. It's it's these four actors, and we'll put Holly in there too, obviously. But um, it's these four main actors that are that if they're involved, that's what I want to see. If one of them for some reason doesn't want to do it or can't do it anymore, then I think it it's it's played it played itself out. To me, I I agree, and just on that point, like I I really first two seasons but for people the show click until the third season when you got Robert Llewellyn in get that that poor cast member combination so you know looking at it from that perspective yeah it's about the four of them and and the interaction between those four actors so I'm completely with you yeah, I look at uh, I look at Crichton as being the character we didn't know we needed until he was there, and then we couldn't live without it. Yep. <laughs> like, like, um, uh, all right, so let's get into either nitpicks or anything that you wanted to see that you didn't see, that kind of thing. Um, Anthony, we'll start with you. Is there anything that uh, that was problematic or um, that you wish you'd seen? So I already hinted at it, and, but bluntly, I would have loved something with ace rimmer you know it's, it's been a while since we've we've had any ace action and even if it had just been a a little hint before rimmer hits his final form uh that would have been fantastic 
Uh, I feel like that would have just at least been a nice little nod. Beyond that, honestly, I thought this was pretty much spot on. I was genuinely surprised. I I did like the the illusion someone made earlier of maybe we could have seen Hilly for a second or female Holly. That would be nice, Mm -hmm. but I'm I'm just, I'm not sure that... um, my mind has gone blank. I've forgotten her name, but I'm not sure she would have been down to do it at this point. You know, yeah. But no, it, I don't know. She's always had nice things to say about the show and everything, but I think she was done with yeah, it. Yeah, that's exactly my train of thought. Um, but no, I, aside from that, I, I found it annoyingly perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Nathan, what about you? Um, the one thing, or, or the one thing that I thought was kind of a major plot flaw, was that when they're escaping the planet and they're just like, "Oh, Holly, look for this hidden file and upload, and that will like back you up, and you'll remember us." And I'm like, "Why weren't they saying that when they were on the ship? When he was kicking them off and saying that they, you know, that they, the, the ship was going to be decommissioned and everything." It's like that to me. I was just kind of like, "What?" I mean, if they had that ability, they should have used it already. Um, so to me, that was like the the one like real flaw in the story of the of the you know the movie. But you know, otherwise, the other thing was that I didn't feel like the three cats that were sort of the devout cats that you know were worshiping Lister felt as cat like as the other cats. Um, you know, that it would they didn't seem to be many like traits there, and I would have liked more of the cat tropes with those mm-hmm. characters and even with the cat who's been part of the group for four years it's like they treated him as if he was like Lister and Rimmer and like all of this was kind of new to him when he should have known what was going on with all of them and been more part of the part of the culture you know and so I felt like that that part didn't work as well um within the story um but otherwise I I, I mean it's still incredibly funny and everything but yeah I mean those things were the things that kind of niggled at me mm. Mm-hmm. Mike? Well, I kind of agree with that, what Nathan was going and saying. You know, Kat should have known exactly who these people were and who everybody was and what was going on. Hell, that was his brother, you know? You know, he, why didn't he say something about that? Or, you know, and I thought that was like, I would have been fine if they didn't throw that in, like, oh, that was my younger brother, you know, type thing. That was like almost, that for me almost felt forced and the other thing i thought with it was i liked the cat door joke you know for the first four times <laughs> but after that it was just getting it got old after a bit and it, I thought was, it got funnier i'm sorry i thought it got funnier as it, went on. it was just like i just kept on rolling my eyes but i'm a dog person so it's okay <laughs> <you know? laughs> and so but yeah it was i agreed there was you know why didn't they, you know, when they were, you know, talking in the room trying to do the 2001 thing, they said, why don't we just have Holly come back from a backup, you know, type thing right there instead of having to go through. They wouldn't have even left the ship. They The whole thing would have not even happened. So it's, you know, it's all subplot and story. Uh, and so I I enjoyed it. So just on that point, though, I mean, part of the whole story is they're kind of incompetent. 
Kind of. Oh, kind <laughs> so of. So for them to be like, what? To, so it's, it's an understatement. So to have how many times did they try capture? You know, the whole thing. Oh, there's a ship out there calling for an SOS. Yeah. And how many times did Rimmer didn't want to get involved with it? Crichton, erase your memory. Oh, <laughs> it's that was like, hilarious. Oh, they, that was awesome. That was just but, that. I was like laughing on that one, and it was just like, oh, what? What did I me- erase my memory? Oh, I had you erase your memory about the ship. There's a ship out there, sir. <laughs> <laughs> I guess where I was going was like the fact that they kind of forget that there's a backup of of their Holly. It's not too out of yeah. character. No, not at all. I guess not at all. Um. Did we uh, see if we can uh, chime in on this? Did we lose Starbug? There's a couple, there's a zillion Starbugs on that yeah. ship. Anyway. Are there? Okay. Yeah. I, I mean, I think, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if we're down to only two now. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's the Star Trek Voyager issue. How many shuttlecrafts blow up on that show, but they always still have more. It's like, you know, how, where are you storing them all? <laughs> no. Yeah, I, I, I guess I, uh, I don't know the the Starbug uh, and the 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 sequences. Even though inside the Starbug, what was going on with the characters was interesting. The actual, like, I guess plot wise, if you want to go there, of them on the on that moon, and then uh, what they were doing, how they got there, what they were doing to get out, that kind of thing, just didn't it didn't fly as well for me as some of the other elements of the of the story um it it just seemed like they were i don't know it just it could have used something else i think um so that was the kind of i don't want to say it dragged because like i said character wise i think everybody there was engaging and like i said one of my favorite scenes in all of where dwarf happens because because of that you know during that time so um and there's a couple of other good scenes in there too so I love the the stuff. I mean, we're talking about stuff we love now, but I, I love the the fact that you know each character goes on and they're trying to bash Lister, trying to convince them that he's not they're those those cats that he's not a god, and they 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 can't. They're like, wait a minute, no, he is really blessed. <laughs> I, I love the moment when the cat comes back and he's all like Lister, 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 <laughs> like, oh my god, he's converted him. <laughs> i mean it is it is great um and uh and yes i mean it is we have seen of course cat is because he was lister's cat um you know he, he is always on his side usually anyway so yeah um so that was Sometimes. good um, um if this is the last red dwarf that we get um is it is this a satisfactory ending or is there still something more that you guys feel uh red dwarf could give us uh i know that's a big one <laughs> so, wow. so so i'll start with you mike um uh if is are you satisfied if this is all we if this is the last one we get i was you know satisfied with the last episode of episode 12 this was almost like icing on the cake I don't want to get a bad taste in my mouth with Red Dwarf. These guys are getting up there in years and everything. You know, most of them are probably in their mid-60s at the, you know. So I would say this would be a great send-off. I think this would be a great way to end it. You know, if they 
you know, I just, I just don't want them to push it. So that's just me. Yeah. Um, Anthony? Uh, I wouldn't hate it, but I would much rather they went back to the show's roots and did one last six episode show or season, I should say. Uh, and, you know, just take it back to that original, uh, more episodic format than finish it up with a movie. I mean, the movie is something they've wanted to do since the end of season eight. Um, I, I just, I don't feel like it's right to end it on a movie. That said, did they put Chris Barry in a wig? Because although he's in his 60s, he yes. looked younger than he did 10 oh, years ago yes. when they did Back to Earth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, that's what I thought. Totally I, I seem to remember some behind the scenes with him uh, a little more uh, short of hair. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was thinking that he uh, that he must have gotten together with Patrick Stewart and figured it out because I was like, wow, he looks he looks really good for as old as he must be. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think uh, I I know that uh, like I said on the panel that they did for San Diego, which was virtual, it was a Zoom thing. Um, but yeah, Chris Berry is has hardly any hair um, in real life and. Uh, and uh, even Craig Charles said that uh, he was wearing a wig as well. He says the, 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 the one bad thing about filming is that, um, you know, the wigs itch. <laughs> well, yeah, because, you know, I, think I, about I think... it. I don't think Craig Charles has dreads anymore. So, yeah. No. Um, I think uh, Robert Llewellyn is the oldest of them. He's about 65. And I think, I think Craig Charles is about 56. So that's the age range we're playing in with the actors now. So yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I I'm losing my hair slightly. I mean, you can you can kind of see it if you look at me closely at the age of 32. So you know, yeah, these guys I don't want to hear that 50s. from you, Anthony. Hey. Yeah, yeah, we're 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 done talking about hair. Um, so <laughs> give me five years and I'll be where you guys are at. I will not have the you same luscious locks as Mr. <laughs> Mr. Faber. In, in 10 years what can time. I say? I was I was blessed with a lot of hair. What can I say? You know, the benefits the dude of being always one of that. the chosen people. Well, exactly. Hi, <laughs> what can I tell you? So uh, actually, Nathan, actually, no, no, Craig, no more. Talk about actually, it. hold on. No, Craig Charles is. You're right, 56. Yeah. Uh, Chris Berry is 60. Danny John Jules is 60, and Robert Llewellyn is 64. Yeah. So. Definitely. Yeah, they are. And yeah, it's not to say that, you know, we could lose one of them, but they're getting into an age where, you know, they don't, they just don't want to do this anymore. Like, I mean, I can definitely understand that. Um, although to be fair on the, on the, on the panel uh, that I saw them on, they, they love working with each other. Um, and that, that shows uh, they do have a chemistry both on set and even on the panel and everything, uh, you know, even they don't even have to be in the same room together. Um, and they were just sort of bouncing off each other. Um, it's it just, it's great to see. So, um, uh, so Nathan, what about you? Is this, if this is the last one, are you, are you satisfied? 
Well, I, I like the fact that they went back to the first season and closed off one of those things that I've wondered about for a really long time about like what happened to the cats. It always seemed like something that they should have revisited at some point. And, you know, other than that, if you think about, you know, the story of the show, not that it's a show that has like a very like intricate storyline, the only thing that I would think plot wise that I'd ever want to see wrapped up that they never did was what in the world happened after season eight because that's always been like a thing they just joke about like how did we get out of that situation and they've never explained it but you know failing that i think this would be a fine way to end the the series i mean again it depends on you know what they have going if they do more it would be great to have more but if they say this is it it's already like i said this is five seasons quote unquote you know if we count you know what they you know back to earth and we count this as seasons this is already five seasons past what i thought we were going to get so you know i'm I'm happy that we've had more time with these characters so i would be okay with it i'm look if they want to do more i i say you know let them do what they want to do um but this is this was great uh this was fantastic actually it was much better than i kind of thought it was going to be going in and um um my expectations were not super high, but I mean, I thought, you know, I don't, I don't know what to expect now when you get these. Right. And this was very, very satisfying. Um, as a whole, I would recommend it to anybody. And um, I, I like the fact that they could end it on a good note. You know, it's like, it's sort of like when Mike was getting at, it, it's like, you know, don't push it. Like, 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 like if you, the more you do, the more chances there could be that it won't be as good. Right. So um so I don't know. I mean, I, I certainly, if they, if they're up, if, you know, if Doug Naylor and the rest of them are up for making more, then uh, I'll be there, you know, I'll be there and I'll watch it. But if this is the last, if they, you know, announced at some point we're done, uh, this was a, a great one to go out on. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, I... so any, any last words from Red Dwarf, the promised land? Well, I know for, you know, they had written a story probably like around season five or season six with Cat's people in it, but most of Cat's people were all scattered across the galaxy and basically they run around through like a traveling circus and part of the traveling circus was some of Cat's people and they were like under bondage and everything and they basically cat finds his his mate and basically they have to try to rescue them and everything and it was a little too serious they said for what they were going for that season and you could actually see the storyboards for it on one of the dvds and it is really awesome and chris berry does all the voices for the story because they read the script and everything it is if you get a chance to see it it is awesome. He was just such a talented voice artist. Oh, God, yeah. That's part of the reason I put the uh, Genesis video up on my Facebook page today, because he was part of Spitting Images. Yes, he was. Mm. That was a great show. Sorry, yeah. I'm going off topic here, but that was ah. a phenomenal show. And no, I think the... they revived it recently. Anyway, mm-hmm. my yes. apologies. Yeah, they have. I, I don't know if he's involved with it, though, in the revival. Yeah. So. I don't know either. Um, but, uh, yeah, very talented, very talented actor, comedian. Um, and, uh, and yeah, hopefully we haven't seen the last of these four, uh, either together or doing separate projects because it's always fun to see these guys pop up somewhere. 
Oprah Trek people, if you're listening, Dragon Con next year would be really yeah. awesome. <laughs> yes, that would be cool. That would be very cool. Um, so, well, all right. Well, that wraps up our discussion of Red Dwarf, the promised land. Thanks, guys. Uh, we will be right back to close out the show after this message. Michelle here with the Iconic Rock Talk Show Moment. Stevie Nicks has a concert film coming out called 24 Karat Gold, The Concert. Um, This was recorded uh, on her tour from 2016-2017 that supported her 2014 album called 24 Karat Gold, Songs from the Vault. Um, The film will be released worldwide, two nights only, uh, theatrical release, October 21st and 25th, drive-ins, theaters, exhibit spaces, Log on to StevieNicksFilm.com to see uh, where it's playing near you and to buy your tickets. And to go along with that, a two CD or two LP um, recording will be out October 30th um, to go along with the streaming version release. And another concert uh, film coming out that this excites me because this is one of the two best shows I've ever seen in my life. Um, The Stones are putting out Steel Wheels Live, uh, filmed in 1989. Uh, for the Steel Wheels Tour, the Atlantic City stop. And there's going to be a bunch of different box sets with vinyl and DVD and Blu-ray and and different combinations. I would log on to uh, Amazon.com at the ESO link and check that out and see which one you want. And for Record Store Day, um, which... As you might have guessed, isn't going to quite be the usual thing this year. Instead of Record Store Day, they're doing three of what they call drop dates. The next one is September 26th, and for that, the Stones are putting out a double A-sided 10-inch picture disc with Rock and Hard Place from Atlantic City and Almost Hear You Sigh from Tokyo. So uh, go to recordstoreday.com uh, to find out which uh, independent record store dare you might have that title. And Rob Halford is putting out a memoir. It's coming out September 29th. It's called Confess. And um, I don't think there's any doubt this is going to be an amazing ride. And he says it's going to make you feel happy. It's going to make you feel sad. It's going to make you feel angry. It's going to shock you. What else could you want from a book? And um, just two songs that you should, uh, two new songs that you should check out this coming week if you haven't already. Um, One is Janelle Monae's Turntables from the documentary All In, The Fight for Democracy. And the other is Mickey Guyton's What Are You Going to Tell Her, which is just beautiful. Uh, She just did it on the uh, ACM Awards show last week. Um, That song will just freeze you in place and probably make you cry. So do go check those out. Um, This is the Iconic Rock Talk Show. The blog is iconicrocktalkshow.wordpress.com, and we'll catch you next time. Everyone these days could use a little support, and your friends at the ESO Network are no different. With the ESO Network Patreon, the cool thing is, is when you help support us, it's you who will benefit. With four tiers starting for as little as 25 cents a week, you can listen to some of your favorite network podcasts early, 
hear exclusive content, maybe get some ESO swag, or even possibly take a shot at the geek seat. All you need to do is sign up at patreon.com backslash ESO network. So this is going to wrap up another episode of the Earth Station One podcast. Thank you, everyone, for listening. It was a ton of fun talking about Red Dwarf tonight. Let's thank our crew for tonight. Anthony, thank you, my friend. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure, as always. Anything you want to shout out about? I would like to give a shout out to the two other podcasts that I'm on. Uh, so first and foremost, uh, you can find me on Watches in the Fourth Dimension, where we are watching our way through all of Doctor Who. From start to finish, we are currently in 1966, 1967, the Patrick Troughton era. Additionally, you can find great era, phenomenal era. Uh, additionally, you can find me on a musical podcast called Sweet Radu's Musically Inclined, where we predominantly discuss heavy metal, uh, which is a yeah, a huge Whoa, passion of mine, awesome. which may surprise some people because they hear this like class English guy and, and assume that I'm probably listening to Genesis, which I do listen to, but heavy metal is my musical passion. So, you can find me discussing predominantly, actually right now, Iron Maiden on that show. Nice! And we will have links to that up on our show notes for both of those shows. That is awesome. Yeah. It's always great to have you here, my friend. Thank you. It's great to be back. I always enjoy coming on uh, ESO. And Nathan, thank you, sir. Well, thanks for having me on the Mothership. Oh, dude, it's always a pleasure to have you on. We don't have you on enough. But, you know, want to talk about your podcast or anything yeah. else you want to shout out about? Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I, I do the 42 cast, which is another show on the ESO network where it's your ultimate answer to fandom geekiness and everything. So uh, different group of people every time talking about a different subject that can be anything, TV, film, comic books, literature, video games. So, yeah, if... Uh, you know, if, if any of that sounds good to you, then check out 42Cast. Yep, a fine member of the ESO Network, and it's great to have you on board. Oh, thanks. Good and of you. course, Mr. Mike Gordon. As always, sir, it's my pleasure. Anything you want to shout out about? I do. I need to give a shout out to a good friend of the station, uh, Jamie Jones, or formerly Jones, actually, uh, because uh, Jamie, our good friend, uh, the one of the co-owners of the comic shop Infinite Realities, got married this afternoon to her uh, her fiance. Actually, it's been a long time coming. Uh, David Winstead. So now it's Jamie Winstead. Next time she comes on the show, we'll have to correct her. Uh, I'll have to make sure we say that name properly. But uh, uh, it's long overdue. It was a great ceremony that was held inside the store itself. Uh, they had a handful of guests there actually in the store. And they uh, had, you know, which is the, you know, the day and age of COVID. Uh, we all got to watch it uh, and attend through YouTube and Facebook Live. So uh, it was great seeing the ceremony. You can still see the ceremony if you go to the Infinite Realities or Jamie's uh, YouTube channels or Facebook page. Uh, you can still see the ceremony for yourself. And uh, I wish Dave, David and Jamie much success uh, in their marriage. That is awesome. That is awesome. Congratulations. And they, they are two wonderful people, so I think it's going to be a good match in heaven. Yeah, David cleans up pretty nice. Yep, it does. Mike, Mike, just out of interest, where where is that comic book store? It, is, anyway. in, it is in Tucker, Georgia. Okay, thank you. Yep, right on La Vista Road. 
It's yeah, right it's across from. Shop. It is right across the street from Tucker High School. It is very easy to get to, right off 285. It's pretty cool. When I quarantine bubble, I will have to go and check it out. Yes, exactly. Absolutely. Just wear that full, you know, you know, spacesuit, you know, that you guys have, you know. <laughs> yeah. It's always a plus right there. Um, my shout out real quick. I've been seeing another podcast again. And this time I actually was a guest on the Three Geeks podcast. And they had me on talking about ESO, Earth Station One, all the different podcasts that I do about, you know, the geek seat and, you know, help promoting all of us here and, you know, trying to make us all better and everything. And it was great. We talked about really bad TV commercials and it was just a blast to talk about. Uh, and it, it was, it was a great time. Uh, you can find them of course up at three geeks podcast up on YouTube. And I think, you know, it, we just recorded it yesterday, but the show is live. So you can find, just look it up and I'm on the most recent episode. And of course, they also had our friend Larry, who was on our show a couple of weeks ago, and he talked their ear off also, so it was perfect. <laughs> and so it was it was a great, great time. And so, folks, if you get a chance to do that, speaking of things to do, we actually have a brand new contest and event that we have going on for here on Earth Station One. We're teaming up with another podcast called This Epic Disaster, which is Rick and Sherry, and they are do an annual Halloween story contest. And basically they get their audience to write Halloween stories for them. It could be, you know, stuff that a writer has done before, but it has to be mostly original content. And if, you know, you're interested in doing it, Mike and I are going to be teaming up with them this year, and we're going to be doing a joint podcast. So Earth Station One and This Epic Disaster is going to be doing a podcast together, and we're going to be simulcast on each other's shows, and we're going to each read five different stories. And neither neither show is going to be the same. So, you know, you'll have to check either, either of the podcasts to do that. But if you want to submit a Halloween story, or a, a horror story or a ghost story to us, please write us here at feedback at earthstation1.com. And you have till the 15th of October to get the story to us. And it could be as long as you want or as short as you want it, you know, and if it's good enough, we'll read it up on the air on the podcast and it should be a lot of fun, kind of spooky and everything. We're going to be doing it as a bonus episode. So it'll be up on the network, but it won't be a Patreon thing, but it'll just be a bonus episode of our station one. So it should be kind of fun. So just write us for, if you're interested in that, please just write us at, you know, feedback at earthstation1.com and you can just, you know, do the topic of Halloween story and submit, you know, in my probably word format would be the best way for us to read it and look it over. And, you know, if you have an inspiring itch to fill and want to write a Halloween story, it'd be great to hear from you guys. So with that being said, we are going to be back again next week when we're going to be talking about we ever ate again. It's going to be awesome. So it's going to be the second appearance of that. And it's going to be a lot of fun, all brand new people with us. So it should be, you know, very interesting to hear what, you know, what our favorites are. And so until then, my name is Mike Faber, and we'll see you here next time on your station one podcast. Peace. And we are done. Take it easy, guys. Awesome. 
You've been listening to the Air Station One podcast, a show by fans for fans. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe to our show up on iTunes or wherever fine podcasts are found. While you're up there, please rate us and remember to leave feedback. It would greatly be appreciated. And remember to tell your friends all about us while you're at it. Air Station One is available on most social media sites where you can join some really great topics or chats. Help support our show by shopping through our Amazon.com link or purchasing very cool ESO Network clothing and merchandise at our Tee Public store. Links to both are found on the top of our ESO Network webpage. Become a patron of the ESO Network by backing us up on Patreon for as little as 25 cents a week. Go to patreon.com slash ESO Network to sign up. We want to hear from you. Please write us at earthstation1 at esonetwork.com or call us at 404-963-9057. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time here on the Earth Station One podcast. Peace, and we're done. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.